You are not alone. You might not be getting the support you need through this pandemic, but you're not alone. And that is one of the reasons I am putting out this show, because this might be actually the most important show that I do all year. It's a message that you as physicians or spouses of physicians really need to hear right now. You're not alone. Joining me on this show is my good friend Shaquilla, the Inspired Dentist. I had Shaquilla on a while back. It was actually June of 2019. And we talked all about emotional intelligence. And I think that was a really great introduction to EQ. But thinking back on it, I'm not sure if you were ready to take in that message. But I do know that right now is a perfect time to not only go back and listen to that show, but to hear our message today. Because you're not alone. We're all in this together and we need each other to get through this. And that's why I said this is probably the most important show that I'm going to do in 2020. Now, before we jump in, just really quick, Taylor and I wrote the financial residency book, Create a Financial Plan Without the Long Hours and Sleepless Nights. And if you've been following along, you know the status updates and some of the delays, beginning sick, but guess what? It comes out on April 2nd, and we are so excited. So you can just search on Amazon Financial Residency, and you're going to see it pop up. It would mean the absolute world to us if you would show us support for our first book by buying a copy. I know times are crazy. I know things are out of control or so it feels, but I know that the value that you will receive from this book is insane because if you read it cover to cover, you're going to be able to complete your own full financial plan. It's funny to me because I'm basically trying to put myself out of business here as a fee only financial advisor by giving you all the tools that you need to create your own plan. Taylor's going to come in and add a ton of personal perspective into the book. And we are so thrilled to have done this together. So like I said, it's out on Amazon. Search financial residency there. And we hope you love it. Please check it out and let us know actually how you like it. All right, now let's jump in and talk to Shaquilla. Shaquilla, it's so nice to have you back on the show. This is going to be an amazing opportunity to hear some expert thoughts on this. But As we talked offline and we've chatted through Messenger and all sorts of fun communication tools that we do, no one's really addressing the elephant in the room, as you so put it, on processing emotionally what's happening right now. And I thought there was no one better to have on than to you to talk through this. Yeah. First of all, thank you for having me back because I'm excited to be here and share my thoughts because what we've really seen is a lot of change in a short period of time. And it's not just affecting, as we know, as a physician and physician spouse community, it's not just affecting everybody, but it's affecting us in a more pressurized way. We've essentially been put in a pressure cooker in the last two weeks and been expected to kind of tolerate the amount of fear, the emotions that are heightened out of not knowing what's going to come next, how long it's going to last, how intense it's going to be, whether our spouses have PPE. I mean, it is everything. All these factors are conjoining us in this very intense environment. And unless we actually take the time to recognize and acknowledge these really big, big emotions, we're not going to get to the other side of this, which is where we can process and we can accept and we can invest in healing and we can habit retrain. You know, when I work with my clients, everybody wants, what do I do next? And this particular situation 
is an exact reason as to why we cannot jump into what do we do next? Because if we're not doing our quote unquote diagnosis, right? If we're not actually looking at the problem and viewing it through the lens that we need to, we're not going to get to the other steps to diffuse that elephant in the room, to put a pin in that balloon of pressure that we are all feeling at this very moment. And by not talking about it, we're actually making it worse. And that's why I think it's so great that you're doing this episode to actually talk about it and let's deal with this. Let's deal with this together because now more than any other time, we as a community can help each other. And I think we can do that right now. Yeah. And you're married to an anesthesiologist. I'm married to a pediatric pulmonologist. So we are not on the front lines. We're kind of like the reservist on the back here. And I have worries all the time about Taylor, right? She's going to go and she's going to be in the PICU. She's got her normal panel of patients. You know, she works for the Navy and they have a lot of stuff going on. And, you know, but I, I worry like, what if she gets sick? Mm-hmm. You know, she's type 1 diabetic. I don't know. I'm not smart enough to know the medical side of like, does that make her more at risk? Does she have more issues? What if just she gets quarantined in the hospital because she's sick and doesn't want to come home and give it to us? Part of me thinks that she's going to get it and bring it home and I'm going to get sick anyway. And I've been quarantining with a five and a three-year-old. Why am I doing these things? Like, I'm not the only one that feels that way. And when I strip out the financial talk and everything, like I can relate because I'm literally going through this. And I know you're going through the same piece on that. And from a spouse of a physician, we're not on the front lines. I know that they're deep down, they're probably terrified of what's happening and what's going on. And obviously leadership is not helping with everything that's going on to be political at all, because I think both sides have screwed this up royally. But how do spouses, I think, first cope with the changes? What are things that we could do mm-hmm. that would help to pop the balloon, so to speak? Mm-hmm. I think that recognizing that we are afraid and that is okay to be afraid just because we are scared about whether our spouse is going to bring home this virus, whether our spouse is going to be overtaxed, quarantined, and everything else. These fears, like the ones that you shared with me, are ones that I have every day. So I understand those fears. And I'm sure every spouse of a physician or significant other is worrying about the same things, kids or not. And ultimately, I think understanding that what we feel is real. It comes from a place that is deep within us. What it means is that we care about our physician spouses. We love them immensely and dearly and wish that we could protect them the way that they are trying to protect many others, right? What is the meaning of us being so afraid in this moment? I think instead of judging ourselves, oh gosh, I don't have time to be afraid of this. I need to like move on or put it in the corner. It's okay. I'll just have my glass of wine. I mean, well, that might be me. No, I'm joking. But ultimately we can avoid it for so long, but this is not the environment we're avoiding it really helps us deal with it. And so I think in the best interest of our spouses that are on the front lines, the best thing we can do is take a step back with our own emotions and say, what does this mean? Why am I so afraid? Asking ourselves these important questions about ourself first is going to open the door to say, what can I do for my physician spouse? How can I be there for them? Because I think sometimes, as I, at least it is for me in my marriage, if my husband's struggling with something, he doesn't usually struggle for no reason. So by the time he is struggling, 
I'm already like, wait, hey, wait, how did I miss this? Because he's now struggling with this, right? I feel like our physician spouses have an interesting way of compartmentalizing things, probably with what they do on a day-to-day basis. (laughs) And I think for us, by the time they come to us, we know that it's something a lot bigger than what we would necessarily process. But what does that mean for us? It means that in order to help them, we have to process our fears on our own, whether it's talking to our friends, talking to other physician spouses has really helped me. I mean, I can't tell you, even a non-physician friend that I have, she's married to a physical therapist, but she has similar concerns because he's also still working. And just being able to acknowledge this together, not complain, not judge each other, sound the panic alarm 10 million times, but just to say, you're feeling afraid, I'm feeling afraid too. This is a lot of change in a short period of time. And I don't know what could have prevented all of this. And we don't know, but we're seeing and we're hearing and feeling the same way. For me, that's what popped that big fog for me. I'm still obviously working through emotions every day that we're going through this, but I think it made it less intense. Just like most of our feelings, when we acknowledge them, it does make them less intense. So I think as a physician spouse, yeah, we got to take care of ourselves and our own emotional needs. And I think I have been able to be more helpful to my spouse, knowing that my fears are real. And I can't blame myself for adding to his. I can tell him, honey, I'm really afraid for you. It's because I love you. And the more I'm able to describe why I'm afraid for him, the more we can then support each other because he needs his feelings acknowledged too. As you said, he might be afraid to not say anything because frankly, the way residency teaches them all, it's suck it up or suck it up. You know, they're not always going to be on the forefront with the fears that come on, but we're all seeing it. We're all afraid of things getting worse. We all are looking at the media through a set of lens that isn't exactly helping us acknowledge our own fears. If anything, it's contributing to the anger, the frustration, the disappointment, as you said, with leadership. It's a lot of these really big, heavy emotions that we are being triggered by. Maybe our worst fears are coming true as physician spouses, as physicians to say, what's the worst thing that can happen at work? I would beg to guess that no one would guess a situation like this because this version of reality, most of us kind of really didn't see coming. And unless they've been in practice long enough where they've dealt with other pandemics, where they've experienced it and gone through a version of this, there's no way we could have seen this coming. And that frankly frightens a lot of us, regardless of whether we're physicians or physician spouses. But what does that mean? We are going to be able to process this in a better way if we were given a situation we can't control another time better as we go through this one currently. And I think that's really important for us to understand that we might be doing the tough work right now, but it's going to lead to something that we can't get in any other place. And that is truly the gift of being able to exercise resilience in a way that we never thought we could. So that leads me to two questions or two thoughts. One is, I believe females are just inherently EQ smarter. Like they're able to process emotions. And I know you're chuckling here because you know it's true. You're able to process emotion, think through emotion, and you're not necessarily afraid to show emotion. Whereas males, we typically don't show, there's some, but we typically just don't show that type of emotion. So, how 
one can we as males married to spouses or married to physicians or even male physicians be able to kind of understand and process and cope in our own ways mm-hmm. and then two I'd, I'd love for you to then maybe transition to speak on how can physicians on the front lines what can they do to essentially pop that same balloon that we were talking on mm-hmm. and i love that you asked this question I really do, because the male clients I've had in the EQ coaching sector, which is what I do, are very different as far as where we start, because society has essentially labeled, you know, and I have a son, so we work through these predisposed ideas of how we should focus on our emotions and are they a sign of weakness? What have we been taught our entire lives as far as expressing our emotions? What is a healthy way? Do I think it's necessarily wrong that sometimes you have to, I don't know, play a sport it out or punch something or do something physical? Do I think that's a bad way to break an ice or have an icebreaker? No. But I think at the end of the day, regardless of gender, we're still human and emotions are regardless of gender. So what I'm getting at is it starts with a sliver. It starts with opening the door. I don't expect anybody, male or not, to whip that door open and start expressing their feelings like no tomorrow. Not everybody is married to an EQ coach. Apparently my husband is, so he has no choice. But at the end of the day, it starts with one or two sentences, one or two acknowledgements. It's a vocalization of an emotional feeling. And we can't get around that because we as humans, our emotions are actually a source of information. And if we don't think of it like that, we end up cowering away from the healing process and essentially doing ourselves our own disservice by not talking about them. We can't get out of talking about our emotions is I guess where we're coming. But I do agree with you that for the male physician spouses or even the male physicians on the front line, it is a harder conversation to start. But I think one of the silver linings that I've seen in the community right now, despite this being a very intense situation, is more people are talking about it, whether they are male or female. So I think now is as good of a time as any to have a conversation with a spouse, with a friend, with a child on a age appropriate level, if that's what we need to do, just to open that sliver of the door. I think less focus on these big grand gestures of having like retreats in the Himalayas, talking about our feelings, singing Kumbaya and more. Who can I talk to today and just express my fear or concern in my own small way? I think that's where we can start. That's a lot more approachable. I think that's more palatable. And I think it'll lead to a place of healing where we can slowly get more comfortable talking about those things. So I'm really glad you asked that because I see that progress with my male clients where initially they want to talk about their emotions, but they get to actually talking about it and they're going, I don't know, do I really want to do this? Am I going to be judged? Am I going to be able to handle this? What does this mean for me? And ultimately, the more they practice it, the easier it becomes, regardless of gender. And I know females that don't like to express their emotions either. They're like, oh, I'll just ignore it, not deal with it. It only gets bigger when we don't deal with it, which is why everything is crashing the way that it's crashing. I'll be honest. What I'm seeing with all this fear and panic and anxiety and overwhelm, it's getting so big because 
either we're complaining and brooding about it. Oh my God, our life is over. The news is saying this. We're out of PPE. And these are all valid, 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 valid concerns. Can I say valid enough? And so those are all really valid concerns. However, sitting in that place and not moving from that place is essentially where we as a society are getting a little stuck because we measure our success on productivity. We don't measure our success over mental and emotional health, which now the conversation is opening up in that direction, which I personally am very excited to see. So if that means our physician spouses come home and they say, I'm really afraid for this, or as a physician spouse, when my husband's come home, I ask him, what happened today? What's new that is worrying for you? As a spouse, we can support our physicians by opening that door just a little bit for them to start that conversation and try to put that pin in that fear of what's going on. I know I didn't, that didn't answer your question about physician frontlines, but I think as a physician spouse myself, it's easy to kind of get caught up in what we know and don't know and might not realize that the small act of talking about it with our spouse could be the very thing our spouse needs. And the very thing that can open the conversation for our spouse to then talk to another physician or a friend. I know my husband, I mean, again, he's married to me, so he kind of really doesn't have a choice when it comes to talking about his feelings. But I know that he knows who he can reach out to when it comes to it. Now, his conversation sounds different than my girlfriend's, right? (laughs) Where it's like, hey, dude, this is what's going on. What's going on with you? And then they have a conversation. It sounds different, but it's doing the same thing, which I think is where the therapeutic level of this processing has to happen. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I have a network of people that I can talk with. But it might not necessarily be the same for everyone else, right? And you said you have got some girlfriends that are in the same spot or very similar. And as I'm listening and learning even from you right now, maybe we should have like a financial residency virtual get together. And just anyone can join that's listening. I'll Shoot me an email. How about this? Ryan at financialresidency.com. Shoot me an email and say, hey, I'd love to join a virtual talk. I'm thinking it's not ran by me. I'm just providing a virtual room. And we can come and go as you please. We'll just set it for you know an hour. And why doesn't everyone just come and listen to other people and have other people to talk with? Because we're all in it together. And if we need to talk it out and we need to acknowledge it, then why not do that as a community together? I think that's a fantastic thing to maybe do. And so shoot me an email. Let's actually get that going. To come back on the physicians on the front line, how can they deal or maybe cope with some of these things? How can they pop that balloon to really address that elephant? Absolutely. So I think for our physicians, we already touched on talking about your fears with your spouse, talking about your fears with other fellow physicians that are not falling into the panic drain though. And I say that with caution because sometimes like most fields, we start talking about what worries us and we have two types of people, right? We have certain people that start elevating that response. And we have certain people that may not want to talk about it at all. And then we have maybe a third category that's going, okay, I'm hearing you. And I think this is where the skill of empathy comes greater than nobody else, right? And I think it's something that we need to be exercising as physicians and physician spouses of, I may not have the answer, but I'm here to listen. And I think at this point of what we're doing, that is more important than anything else. So as a financial planner, I have other friends that are financial planners, right? And we're supposed to be the rock. And granted, we're talking about financial things and not everyone works with physicians. I'm just the weirdo that is married to one, works with them. 
all my friends with them. But as I talked to some other financial planners over the last few weeks, because of course we've had some volatility, some of them that I thought were steady as a rock were we were actually talking through this and they were expressing some concern and maybe it was some projection after, you know, 500 client meetings and talking through the same things that they might not necessarily believe what they're saying. And and that kind of caused me to take a step back and go like, hmm, what are they experiencing? How are they going through this? And talking through them and kind of, so to speak, in a crude sense, talking them off the ledge, right? And bringing them back into reality a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But how do physicians necessarily, if they've got someone that they know, like, and trust, that they want to help, and that person is on panic alert, red zone, notch number 10, and they need to help talk them back into being more level-headed and calm, like, what's a way that they could approach it, assuming that they're friends, it's not just someone random that they work with, how would they help that friend be able to kind of come back down to, to reality and be able to experience in a more calm, even keeled fashion? Absolutely. So it comes back to how we're wired, right? And I know that I'm going to say this in very simple terms compared to your physician listeners, but as far as how our amygdala and our emotional centers work and our reptilian brain, if you want to call it that, when we feel these huge sense of survival, for the lack of a better term, we are at a heightened emotional level. So until we acknowledge that, There is no logic that can pass through us. There is no logic that we can say that makes it better, right? It's like the child having the temper tantrum. No child calmed down in the history of mankind by saying calm down. That is not going to work, right? You have a five and three-year-old. You know that probably better than I do right now at this point. So my seven-year-old still has his moments, but you're exercising them still. But in all honesty, what it comes down to is can we say... I understand this is very scary. I understand this is very overwhelming. I understand there is so much we don't know. Just by addressing what that emotion is that the other person is feeling, we have put the biggest pin in that balloon that we can. And I think that's what we're missing because we as social creatures, we are wired to bond. We are wired to connect. We are wired to do all of these amazing things as a society. But until we actually connect on an emotional level by addressing emotion, no one's going to listen to a solution. No, they think they want a solution. We want to know definites, right? We want to know when is this going to end? Is my hospital going to run out of PPE? Am I going to catch this virus? Am I going to bring it back to my family? We're asking logic questions, but we're not acknowledging or possibly sharing with each other, hey, we are feeling scared and we are in this together. And sometimes that's all we need. We don't always need a solution to the proverbial problem. But to process this, when we say recognize and acknowledge these emotions, we're also talking about grief. We're talking about I mean, grieving what was before to what is now. I mean, we haven't had that much time if you think about it. All of this change has happened in the past two weeks. Yes, we can look back with rose-colored glasses and say, oh, we should have seen this coming, X, Y, and Z. We could have done this. We could have done this. Well, that doesn't help us a whole heck of a lot right now. So at the end of the day, all of this changes really fast. It is okay to say, I am overwhelmed right now. This is moving in a direction that I've never dealt with before. You may be struggling in a way that, is very different than what I've seen before. Our spouses might be reacting differently. Our patients might be reacting differently. Everybody at this point is changing through this. And is that going to be a good thing or bad thing? I think we will see more good than bad because what I've experienced in my life through adversity, hardship, 
and big change, there's always a lesson that can be utilized so much better than we thought it could. And I think we will look back on 2020 and see that. But right now, that can't be our focus because we are trying to get through this. And if all we can do is think about today, if you are a physician listening to this, if all you can do is think about today, getting to work, who you can help, who you can pull to the side that looks frazzled and say, I know this is overwhelming. I'm in this boat with you, right? Or if all we can do is thank somebody that we know, that we care about, that we love, thank you for working as hard as you're working. I mean, that side effect of all of this where all these memes and posts are coming on to recognize not just physicians, but the nurses and the teams and everybody that comes behind making this happen. I mean, that's a good thing. That's already a silver lining we're seeing. We just might not be focusing on that right now. So to answer your question, I think to be heard, we also have to be willing to hear. And so I think if we can see what other people are feeling, respond with empathy, and also look for people who we know are more empathetic for our needs right now. Yes, I have people that I can go to and talk to, but I know my people who are naturally more empathetic as human beings. And those are my people when I want to put the pin in the balloon. There's not many. It's less than one hand as far as that specific type of personality where empathy is their superpower, but they are there. And the fact that they are there and we may just have to put it out there that this is how we're feeling, I think can really help us in a way that we don't realize right now. I think that's so well said. So as financial residency, I've always said it's about empowering physicians to understand their finances, right? To take control over your finances and to be comfortable with what it is. But at a higher level, the way I look at it is you help one physician and you're going to impact thousands of people, right? So even if you're a physician, to pull that person aside and just tell them how you feel, I think that was excellent because now they're going to go and impact thousands of people as a spouse supporting your significant other and then helping them realize what's happening and to cope with it, they can now go and impact thousands of people. I think it's such a great message. One thing that I've asked our community to do is to provide, I call them like physician warrior stories, right? What is the positive things that's happening out of this that we're not seeing in the media? The media is doom and gloom. It's always been doom and gloom because that's what gets the clicks. That's what gets the views, right? But we need to hear more positive messages. And so in the description of the show, I have a link and it's financialresonancy.com slash docwarrior. And it's a simple form. It's got three questions and it's anonymous if you want it to be. I need an email to thank you for doing this, but your name could be anonymous. But I want to hear stories that are happening around you, whether it's in your community, whether it's at your hospital, with your teams, just in your home life, whatever it may be that's positive, that we all can use it as inspiration We all need to hear that message. And I'd love to do a separate story, a separate podcast on this to allow everyone, like I'm going to use the megaphone that we have got with thousands and thousands of people listening. And I want your story to be broadcasted to everyone. Not so much that it'll necessarily help you. It'll help thousands. And in turn, it'll help thousands more as they go off and basically save the world. So that's financialresidency.com slash docwarrior. And you've already mentioned a positive kind of story. But is there anything else that maybe you want to tell a story, a positive thing that's kind of happened through all of this that everyone else can kind of walk away with maybe some inspiration? Absolutely. So, I mean, I think we're seeing more emphasis on mental wellness and mental health, not even mental health as there is a problem, 
but an overall sense of how do we uplift our well-being, whether it's free courses or podcasts or meditation. I've seen more people ask me about where to start with meditation. And I went, yay, this is such a great thing for our society to be talking about. We're seeing more people socially have a sense of connection, whether it's on social media or emails or virtual chats and connections, we are finding alternate ways to connect. So we are increasing accessibility. I think we're going to see new surges of the way we connect using our technology in a different way than what we had before. And I think that's going to make a big difference for patients with disabilities, people who have struggles. I think we're opening a door for so many people that couldn't get access to the same things. I also think that the gratitude that's happening for our physicians, I know I mentioned it, but we got to mention it again. I mean, our entire teams, the truckers, the nurses, the people who are in the grocery stores, the handlers, like it is everybody. We as a species are coming together to thank the people who are working for us. And I think that sense of gratitude is something we can't forget when our lives return to a new normal. And I want to say new normal because nothing is going to go back to what we thought it was two weeks ago. It's not going to happen. However, I think our new normal is going to be something really special. I think it's going to be a sense of refresh that we as a society need more than ever. And I think it's going to be really, really great to see our physician front lines appreciated in a way that they might not have felt for years. Yeah. Back in World War days, you know, when they said, I think we just awoke a sleeping giant. I think that's actually what's going to happen. We're going to come out. We're going to be stronger. It's uh, probably going to get tougher from here. But I think we will come out and be much, much stronger. And I think you know having you back on the show is obviously fantastic. But people, are, I think we're ready to hear the message now. And we did a show back in June of 2019 called When Emotional Intelligence is Your Best Investment. And I can't recommend it enough to go back and listen to that specific show because I think you're now ready to hear that message. Shaquille, thanks so much for being on the show. How can others find you and work with you, You know, read more about what you're doing? Follow you on Facebook because you have amazing posts. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Before I say that, just really quickly, I wanted to mention for anyone hearing this and going, okay, that sounds really great, but I'm still, it's still too much. One, we hear you. Ryan and I both hear you. It is a lot. Take just today. Take one moment one minute, one hour, one day, whatever you can handle in this present moment, that's all you should be taking at a time. We are not in the environment where we can plan for the long term because this is temporary and we are not going to make any decisions that are going to help us for the long run in this current temporary heightened state of emotion. So I just wanted to put that out there because that was a post that I posted the other day. How you can find me, Shaquilla at the inspireddentist.com is my email. You can find me on Facebook, Shaquilla Angadi. Any of your listeners, Ryan, honestly, are welcome to direct message me. Find me on Instagram, Shaquilla Angadi. I mean, reach out to me. I'm very accessible. If you just need an ear, I'm more than happy to help and talk through this because we really are in this together. I do emotional intelligence coaching, not just for dentistry, which is where me as a background, you go back and listen to that episode. That's where I started. But I also do work with healthcare providers. And ultimately, this time, more than any other time, is the time to really hone in on those EQ skills. So whether you work with me or not, that's really what we want to be doing. 
Yeah, I love it. And of course, you're in our group, yes. uh, in our community. So you guys can join that if you haven't at financialresidency.com slash community. And of course, tag her on this and she'll be, I know, more than happy to chat with you, to help you out with whatever you're going through. I love the idea of having this like virtual get together. I'm serious. Email me, ryan at financialresidency.com. I'd love to put something like this together if there's demand, if you will, if you want to call it that. I don't care if it's just me and one other person on the call. If you want to have the call, let's say Shaquille and I are going to be on the call hanging out. Uh, if you want to come join us, I should say that. And depending on response and feedback, I think that'll depend when we do it and how we do it. Probably just do a Zoom call and uh, be able to help each other through this. Again, not necessarily ran by me. I'm just going to provide the room and it's for all of us. Shaquille, thank you so much for being on the show. I know that everyone is now ready to hear your message and it's such an important message. Thank you for having me. All right, everyone. Well, that was an awesome show. I really appreciate Shaquilla coming on and being vulnerable and talking us through this. And I hope that you really can walk away understanding that you're not alone, that we're in this together. I don't have any other pieces to the show. There's no community updates. There's nothing because I want you to really focus on the message that we just sent out. It's really important. Remember, if you want to jump on that Zoom call and have a fun virtual happy hour, let's say with financial residency, I'd love to give you that platform to do that. So email me at ryan at financialresidency.com and I'll try to set something up. Again, it's not about me. This is about all of us. And I want this to be a really cool, safe space that we can all talk, get to know each other and help each other through this time. So I hope you have a great week and I'll actually see you guys tomorrow. Tomorrow.